0: Welcome to You Can Do That with Lisa and Lee, the show where we find the most interesting people we know and ask them, you can do that. I'm your co-host, Lisa.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Lee.
0: And this week, we're talking to Lauren Piner about owning a dog walking company and changing your goals. But before we get started, I want to ask you, what have you been up to
1: this week, Lee? Well, what have I been up to? (laughs) (laughs) It is currently right before Christmas. So mostly Christmas stuff. Work has gotten a little, a little, a little crazy. Um, so I've been stressing a bit about work, but you know, that'll, that'll work itself out.
0: I have been blissfully unstressed about work because <laughs> I'm a college professor and so I'm not working right now. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. I mean, I guess I've been doing a little bit of work. I've had some, I've had to go in and do some makeup work with a student. And I've, you know, been trying to work a little bit toward next semester, but it's nice. It's nice to have... For somebody with ADHD, having downtime to just sort of crash mm-hmm. every once in a while is nice. The, yeah. The, that's the blessing. The curse is... As someone with ADHD, when my schedule changes, it's, it's very hard. Like it's a nightmare for me, right? Like I yeah. forget everything. Yes. Uh like what is time? Who am I? I don't know where I am. Like what's <laughs> happening? So you know, my schedule changes multiple times a year and that's that's rough on on me and everyone around me. But yeah. But it is nice to have time to just sort of decompress and that's chill true. out.
1: For those keeping score at home, I want you all to know I am still playing Baldur's Gate. Not done with it yet. This is still first playthrough. <laughs> I,
0: um, usually I hyper-focus on a video game, and I have yet to do that this break. That's a little bit weird for me. I think it's because I've been uh, painting my stepdaughter's bedroom Mm -hmm. and doing a lot of, like, uh, I moved into a house that was flipped, which I knew, and I wasn't expecting perfection, but, you know, they did a lot of things that were wrong, and so Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, if I'm going through all the effort, I'm going to try to fix the things that were done wrong and do them right the next time, so this involved things like... Like stripping all the the window trim down to bare wood, um which has been fun, a good adventure, but it's just been really time consuming, so I think yeah. I've just been like hyper focusing on on getting all of that done and which is good, that's a productive thing to hyper focus on. I'm not sure that hasn't happened in a long time, hyper focusing on something super productive like that um
1: <laughs> yeah, that always feels so good, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, so that's a good thing, but
1: cool, yeah, we're um I'm rearranging my office and I was hoping that my hyperfocus would kick in, but boy, is it not. Um, <laughs> I did get my podcast recording area finished, and that's it. That's all. Okay. That's okay. that's all I've done. <laughs> but it's the important thing, so, you know, we're good. I was trying to think if there was anything else. We uh, started watching Twin Peaks. Okay. I would never seen it before, so... um I've still never seen Twin Peaks. Please yeah. don't ask me about this. No, it's fine. At some point, I
0: should probably watch it. I guess I don't Which know. Which is I... funny because we—I've wa- me and my husband have watched like all of the television because that's something we do a lot of. Yeah, and that's just one of the ones that hasn't. We're starting. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll finally happen. We're kind of hitting like we're hitting the bottom of the barrel. You know, the, the post writer <laughs> strike. Like yeah.
1: Well, my husband has been playing um the Remedy games, the um Control and Alan Wake and all that and apparently those are very inspired by Twin Peaks and like I think Interesting. Yeah, I think they're I like think really tight in. I think Control
0: is one of Troll's favorite games? He maybe he'll really listen good. to this and know and he'll talk to me this is how i'll find out if you're listening baby <laughs> tell me about this <laughs> yeah
1: well that's how, that's how we did but it i think that's yeah. like what
0: it was for games yeah
1: i'm not good at metaphorical thinking so i find twin peaks a bit difficult because that it's one big metaphor mm. um and i'm not I'm not in my strong suit and so trying to watch it is just like an interesting story is also hard because it does not make sense in that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I could see that. So, um, uh, but I'm enjoying it. I've uh, been
0: watching and... a lot of Bob's Burgers lately. That's the one that I never really... I love it. and I'd only I seen a few seasons because I kept waiting for us to watch it together, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we finally we finally hit the stride where we just, like, we finally really hit the binge stride. And uh nice. so we're on, I don't... I think we're on season seven? That's good. I think yeah. we're in season seven. I think that's right. But that's not I like, that'll. We'll go all the way through. That's yeah. we, we're we're not stopping now.
1: <laughs> I like Boss Burgers. Yeah. I oh, feel cool. very seen
0: by a lot of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to feel very strongly about Tina, and then I kinda as I as I watched it more, I'm like, I'm I am more like Louise than I want to admit. Louise lives <laughs> inside of me.
1: I I think I'm just a big ball of anger. <laughs> But actually Tinder, but don't tell anybody. I
0: think for me, it's more of like the lack of like impulse inhibition Mm -hmm. for like whatever's on her mind that I Mm -hmm. really relate to. I think that's why I didn't relate to her as much because I'm, I don't, I'm actually not a very angry person. Like that's, I, I think one of my better qualities, I'm not a very angry person. And so I think that's maybe why I didn't relate to her as much at first, but now I'm just like her lack of impulse control to just do whatever sounds fun yeah is is something i relate to deeply
1: i um i'm like like my anger is always on the inside i don't show it very well and i I don't have a i'm not even good at showing it or even feeling it for very long Mm, okay like i don't know how to feel angry for any amount of time but boy, for those like five seconds where I am angry, I am intensely angry. I want to burn the world down. Okay, that's fair. I get that. And then like, I just move on. Yeah. And then I'm not angry anymore. Mm-hmm. And it truly is like, I five seconds is not an mm-hmm. understatement. I'm not even kidding. And
0: this is I the thing that's st- come up for me in relationships, even like in my life, because I, I have big feelings. And mm-hmm. once I've had them and say them out loud, like I'm done. I'm done. I don't really yeah. hold on to it, but like sometimes that comes off, like, oh well, I'm now daring. I'm mad, and I'm like, yeah. but I, but I'm over it now. Like I'm not mad anymore. I just need to say it,
1: and i not. It's <laughs> yeah. yeah. taken me a
0: lot of a lot of trial and error to figure out how to manage that in relationships with, especially yeah. especially romantic relationships, because, like, I just I don't know. I have I have big feelings, and once I
1: have them, I'm done with them. Like I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> just I felt them. I just need to. I just them, need and to and put I'm them done. in the universe, and then I'm like, yep. okay. Good. exactly yeah I feel that way so. and then like the impulse stuff I have that urge to be impulsive and like want to do things but I don't I'm not good at acting on it so I think mm. like all of my all of it's just I'm very internal everything's internal and then on the outside I'm like nothing's happening <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that was a fun insight into both of our souls Um yeah <laughs> So it's I guess it's kind of exciting. We finished a whole season, and we're going to take some time off, and we'll talk more about that at the end, I guess. But yeah. I'm proud of us for doing this. Like we got it done. We we yeah. interviewed everybody. We've done our intros. Yeah, we've
1: and got we have some, some good ideas
0: for our next season. Exactly. And we're going to end on I think a I think a lovely high note with like w- literally like my best friend in the whole world, Lauren Piner. She's yes, uh, we're very close. And I, I was we've been joking a lot recently about the like. You know the kind of meme about like like these two were best friends and were inseparable and did blah 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 and they they clearly must have just been gal pals and like obviously they were a couple. <laughs> we one of our kind of jokes is like if if you like if a hist- if one of us was important enough that a historian studied our lives they should come to the conclusion that we're girlfriends. <laughs> yeah. Like she moved across the country to live near me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're we're pretty convinced that like we're going to make our small town Think that we're a thruple pretty quickly, and like we're not, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that's great, but we're like mm-hmm. we're just genuinely not,
1: right? Yeah. But
0: but like honestly, a, a responsible on paper. historian should <laughs> should come to the conclusion that we are, you know? <laughs> or that she's like you know my that my secret lover. I don't know. Like it's very funny because I mean, who moves across the country for their best friend? Me and Laura do. I don't
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I, but, it, South Dakota is great, so I I get it. You're great, so I get yeah. that too. We're just,
0: we are just genuinely gal pals, but, yeah. but she is, you know, she is kind of like my, she's my person, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's fun. And I think, you know, thinking about it, this was a little bit unintentional. We talked about wanting to leave her till the end because we thought it was kind of uplifting, but, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is when it's time to realize you need to change your goals. And I, and I kind of like us putting that message out before the new year because I don't, yeah. I have a really complex relationship with New Year's resolutions. It's not really a thing I do. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think I, on some level, really hate the way I think they make people feel bad about their accomplishments and what they do. And, and I think it's, I, think this is, I think this is a note that I'm very happy to
1: move into the New Year with. So, yeah. Be flexible. Be willing to look at your life and say, this thing's not working for me anymore. Let's do something different. And that's kind yeah, of what our interview's yeah. about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, on that note, let's get to it. Today we are welcoming Lauren Piner to the podcast. Lauren is currently a realtor in Florence, South Carolina area, and uh, full disclosure, also my best friend, yay! Uh, She lives there with her two dogs, Wedge and Killian, and usually has a bonus foster dog keeping things interesting. Before she moved to South Carolina two years ago, she owned one of the biggest dog walking companies in the Denver metro area. Maybe the biggest, they don't really track those things. Starting with just herself in 2011, she grew the company to a peak of about 20 employees doing over 400 walks a week. Of course, COVID changed things a bit, but in 2021, she sold the company to a truly great manager and continues to thrive today. So welcome, Lauren, to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you because as you're... uh you know, resident bestie. Uh, I did actually get to live around you during most of this time and observe you building this business. And it's something I've always really admired about you. So I'm thrilled to talk to you about it today.
1: Me too. Uh,
2: Thanks so much. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, Thank you for the invite. Lisa, I think you were the person who sat me down when I was working 7 days a week and never took a break and were and told me that I really needed to hire someone. So that sounds like You also so. played a pivotal role in, in the growth of that company. So, uh, you know, couldn't do it without you.
0: I guess I have some business sense then, who knew? <laughs> Well, I was thinking it would be great to start by just asking you to tell us your version of your story, and you know we'll ask you questions as you go along. But I'd love to hear the the Lauren version of the Positively Pooches story.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm gonna go back just a little bit, uh, but I promise not to give you my entire life story. But I was raised by a bunch of teachers and a nurse, and my dad was an engineer, and I always kind of expected to be a history teacher. But I went to, I got a job when I was in high school and the job was working at a doggy daycare and I really liked it. But when the owner asked me when I was going to open my own doggy daycare, I said, I don't know. I don't like paperwork very much, which jokes on me because now I'm a realtor. So that's like all I do. (laughs) That's Um, your entire job. That's like the whole thing. Um, And she said, oh, it's not that hard. You can do it. And I was I think 16 or 17 when I had that conversation with her and it changed my whole track. I got, I got accepted to the university of Vermont and I got a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration and entrepreneurship with every intention to open a doggy daycare. And in my senior year, I made a business plan that would, you know, allow me to open a doggy daycare. I pitched it in the class to some, Bankers and things like that, and I was actually approached afterwards to see if I really wanted to do it and if I wanted to, you know, try to get a loan for it. I was like, "No way, man! I'm twenty two. I don't want to work twelve hour days in some warehouse building with a bunch of dogs. I mean, I love the dogs, but wait, wait, this is what year about? uh two thousand six. Okay, that
0: makes more sense because I'm just thinking, you know, like. They just would give a, they just give a loan to a 23 year old, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I guess well, this is before the first big economic crash. So things were a little bit. Yes. Different.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we hadn't like done any, they hadn't done any due diligence on me. All they had seen yeah, was the business yeah. plan, which was a pretty robust business plan, but I don't know if I actually could have gotten the money. They just, they just asked me if I wanted to talk to them about it. So, but yeah, it would, I don't think that would have happened if I had graduated in 2010, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> So I worked locally in Vermont at a vet for a little while, and then I moved out to Colorado just for a change of scenery, and I worked for City Financial Auto, which, as you can imagine, didn't go great for me in 2010. So (laughs) that was how I started the dog walking company. I decided that there was so much less overhead with a dog walking company than there is with a doggy daycare There's no location. I could just take time off if I wanted to. I mean, obviously I'd have to figure out what to do with my clients, but when you're a one man show, that's just a little bit easier to manage. So I decided to give it a whirl and I was really fortunate to have family who supported me. I knew that if I kind of crashed and burned, I would not be homeless. So that was definitely a big deal in helping me have the courage, I guess, to get started yeah it is it's definitely easier when you have a safety net like that to... yeah, yeah I mean, I really didn't want to move back in with with my family. I love them, but none of us want to live together i don't think but um <laughs> but knowing that I would be okay and you know and I had a dog at the time, like I wouldn't really be worrying about where to find food and how to keep a roof over my head if it didn't didn't work out, and it definitely made it a lot easier to take the plunge, so I did that and I just started walking dogs. I was fortunate that my aunt was a dog groomer in Denver at the time and she gave me a couple clients and then I did a a Groupon. I don't think it was a Groupon. It was a different brand, but I don't remember what that was called now.
0: Um, It was kind of the heyday of the Groupon, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was like, yeah, this was back in 2010, 2011 and it was like just big Groupon time. So I sold... I don't even remember how many it was, but it was ludicrously cheap for dog walks. It was like maybe $5 for a dog walk. And I sold like, you know, five walk packages or something. So I didn't ever make any money on the, the Groupon walks. But a lot of those clients, I mean, some of those clients are still clients today. And that, like I said, was in 2011. And I also ran into clients once I was out kind of on the walks. I would run into people sometimes, tell them I'm a dog walker, give them a Business card that got me uh, quite a bit of business that way. Right up until you know late two thousand eleven, when Lisa sat me down and was like, "You really need to hire someone." I miss you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were also very tired. Like I, it was that I missed you, but also you looked exhausted, <laughs> like pretty much all the time.
2: I, I was very tired. I think by the time we talked, I hadn't had a day off and. I don't know, months. I think it was not, like 50 not like,
0: something days. I have, for some reason that stands out in my head. It was like 54 days or something like that. Since the last time you had had a day off.
2: I could believe that. Mm-hmm. And that probably was 54 days before, like since I had a day without a dog walk, not like a true day off. Cause I probably scheduled people and stuff on that day off too. But yeah, so it was, it was definitely time. I don't, I don't remember the numbers, but that sounds right to me. It was time. So I did hire someone, and that kind of started a whole different path because you know starting a business is pretty straightforward most of the time. It's just getting your business license, filing your name, and making sure you have insurance, doing your bookkeeping, that kind of stuff. But as soon as you start adding employees, you start getting a location. It gets a lot more complicated. I did have contractors for a little while, but that didn't last very long because you don't have very much control over contractors. And Mm. it's really hard to keep a certain standard of care when you can't tell people what to do. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, we could tell them a little bit because clients could make requests and stuff. And obviously there are certain things that are expected of every dog walk. Like, you know, you walk the dog, for example, and you lock the door when you leave and, that kind of thing. But there were definitely a lot of times that it was tricky to specify what was required until we turned everybody into employees. But once they're employees, that's a whole different ballgame because now you have payroll, you have to pay taxes, and there's companies that do that for you. And there's plenty of information on how to pay people. But One of the interesting things about owning a dog walking company is that, especially when I started it, there weren't very many of them. So it's not like, you know, if you start like a restaurant, you can hire an accountant that specializes in restaurants, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can reach out to consultants who specialize in restaurants. There wasn't anything like that when I got started. So it was really just me (laughs) trying to figure it out and hoping for the best. Which went pretty well, more often than not, but definitely caused some issues throughout the years, too.
0: Did you ever have anyone who, like, got a little put off by, like, maybe, like, with insurance or anything like that? That was like, you're working with dogs, so oh, I don't want to touch that? Like, was that ever an issue?
2: Uh, you mean, like, liability insurance and stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Actually, liability insurance was and remains pretty cheap because... The liability insurance only covers the dogs, really. It doesn't, I mean, I guess it covers people who could potentially be injured by dogs, but I'm not sure that the insurance agents have gotten on to that yet. The Where our real cost comes in is workers' comp. Mm. And I don't know if most people know this, but workers' comp is tied to wages, in large part because if somebody gets injured on, injured on the job, they have to get paid what they would be making on the job or a percentage of what they would be making on the job while they recover or, Mm -hmm. you know, in some cases in perpetuity. And so that's why it's tied to wage, but it also dog walking is a really hard issue to cover because like, like even now it's a much more common business, but it's not common by like a national insurance standard. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of data on it. The data they have is kind of all over the place so right now we really can only get our insurance through one insurance agent. I mean, wow. we reach out regularly and that's not to say that there's not another option out there, but based on the conversation I've had with insurance agents and that kind of thing, it's, it's tough, it's tough to find. And it makes it challenging because they kind of have us over a barrel. There's not really anything we can do if we're unhappy with the service, which we sometimes are. So,
1: yeah. So that's a a challenge. (laughs) There are so many little things that you just don't know about a company or like how a business runs until you like are in that sort of side of one. I don't own a company, but I work for my family that owns a company. And the more I get on the business side of what they do, the more I'm like, wow, there's a lot to this.
2: Yeah, and it's always the little things that get you. Like, I mean, I never would have guessed that, like, one of our big sticking points would be workers' comp. Like, I don't, you know, I mean, like, of all the things that I would think, I would have thought the same, Lisa, I would have thought that liability would be a bigger concern, but it's never been an issue. And I mean, honestly, our workers' comp isn't that ridiculously high compared to anybody else with the wages that we're paying. It's just that, like, we really have no choice. Like we, yeah. you know, like we had some frustration last year with communication from the insurance company. And at the end of the day, it was just like, well, doesn't matter. We just have to stay with them because we can't not have workers comp. So, you know, both because we don't want to not have workers comp, but also because we can't like, you have to have it by law for good reason. Yeah. So, but we're, sort we're also sort of dealing with a, a monopoly. So in, in our specific situation. Yeah. The specifics of a dog walking company, I think, was a really unique challenge that I hadn't really thought about when I got started. I, like, I didn't think about the fact that because it wasn't a super common business, there wasn't really a playbook of any kind. And in some ways, I liked that because I could really kind of write my own playbook. But in other ways, it, it was kind of frustrating. It would have been nice to be able to just... <laughs> you know, look up what everybody else did and do it that way or or do it that way with some changes, you know?
1: Yeah. It kind of seems like a business is a business. It should all work the same, but it really doesn't.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially because our, you know, our employees are driving around. Mm -hmm. So that's a different layer of insurance and they, you know, how do you, how do you know if your employees are doing a good job if you're never in the same building with them? Yeah. Like that was a really unique challenge that I mean, that's not totally unique to dog walking. That definitely comes up with like home health care,
1: mm-hmm.
2: house cleaning, things like that. But so there's definitely some, you know, some parallels with other industries. But a lot of those companies are big. So mm-hmm. they don't, you know, like it's easy for them to buy the fancy software that lets them GPS track yeah, their yeah. employees or whatever. Like Yeah. So it was a little more challenging for us. And and we didn't really want to do that necessarily but we did want to make sure our clients were getting the service that they were paying for
0: so that that is an interesting question to me thinking about it in terms of like how do you know and I I know from being your friend that one of the ways you know is feedback from your clients right which as an outside observer varied on the spectrum of how reasonable it was (laughs) so like how do you (laughs) as a boss like tell like what's the line when somebody is complaining about somebody's work like how do you how do you know what really happened or how do you decide what you think really happened?
2: That's a really good question. My philosophy and my kind of policy, it, I mean, it wasn't a written policy. It was just kind of the policy that I I worked by was pretty much no matter what a client called with, even if it seemed outrageous, you know, my first question was always, is your dog okay? And we were fortunate that the answer was always yes, as as far as I can remember, Which means it was always yes, because I would remember if it wasn't right. (laughs) Um, The second question was, is your house okay? Like, because one of the the complaints that would happen sometimes is, you know, maybe the dog walker didn't latch the kennel appropriately, and the dog got out of the kennel, and maybe they ate some stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I remember a dog eating... Well, the client called and told me they ate an iPad. If I remember correctly, they actually only ate the case because we definitely didn't pay to replace an iPad and we would (laughs) have if, if we had done that. But, you know, like the, the first question was like, is your dog okay? The question, second question was like, is your house okay? You know, did, did something because we had to lock people's doors. We had to set alarms, you know, like we wanted to make sure that if, you know, if the concern was the alarm was off, did anyone break into the house while we were gone? Yeah. Again, as far as I can recall, that never happened, but it's a possibility and then my next response was, "You know, I understand this is really concerning. Let me reach out to the dog walker and see if I can get some more context or something along those lines and I would usually reach out to the dog walker, and i you know i I mean they knew why I was calling i I wasn't like trying to bamboozle them into <laughs> trapping themselves or anything, but You know, I would usually call and say something like, you know, client X called and said the dog was out of the kennel when they got home. Do you remember what happened? Most of the time, I mean, with something like that, the answer is obvious, right? Because we've all done stuff like that before where you, you know, you shut the door, you think you locked it. You probably just didn't line the little thing Mm -hmm. up right and the dog got out. And then it's always a, well... Don't do that anymore.
1: (laughs) 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 Double check.
2: (laughs) Make sure you're double checking all your kennels and you know, all that stuff. And and then I would call the client back and and you know, tell them exactly what happened, that it was something like that. And I'd usually comp the walk or once we got a little bit bigger and I was paying wages and stuff, I would I would often charge like half the walk. So I would I would discount half off because ultimately we still did the walk. Yeah. And everything was fine, you know so and then if if there were any damages, we would pay for them we We didn't have too much of that, but it did happen from time to time, and yeah, so that was kind of our response to that was instead of reacting to the call, which you know is stressful i mean it's it, nobody wants their home to be left in a way that it they didn't intend it to be, right, but putting the dog first, I think, was always. Helpful because it it really put things in perspective for people, I think, because like, we're all frustrated by stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everybody's safe, yeah. right? Like, nobody got hurt. Everybody's fine. And that's that's it, right? So...
0: Yeah, I mean, my number one worry about the idea of someone breaking into my house—if I'm being totally honest—like if breaking in when we're not here—is mm-hmm. that they leave the door or the window open, and one of yeah. my animals leaves. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I'm actually sure. more
1: worried about mm-hmm. that than I yeah. am about the idea of something being missing. So I can replace my stuff, but if my cat leaves, like I might not ever get him back. Yeah,
2: I mean that was always our worry too, and especially when you know when you're leave when you're walking anywhere from three dogs to, you know, maybe eight to 10 dogs in a day, and you're going into potentially eight to 10 houses, how often have you left your house and wondered, did I left the door? Mm-hmm. And now you're doing that 10 times or, you know, I mean, nobody was working, like nobody was doing 10 dog walks a day for weeks and weeks and weeks. That would be insane. Um, but But we were busy, you know, and we had, we had people who, their full-time job was dog walking. And a lot of them had, you know, somewhere between six and 10 walks, five days a week. So once you up the numbers, when you're, when you're going in and out of let's say 40 to 50 houses a week, Mm -hmm. you're bound to mess up every now and then. And, you know, I mean, (laughs) all of us have a a little bit of a complex where we're often going back and double checking to make sure we lock the door, but you know, sometimes you, you miss one. And so that was, that was always our biggest concern too, was like, okay, your, your door was unlocked where your, was your dog home or, you know, are your cats there? Like, is everything all right? And a lot of times people it like that never even occurred to people. And, and probably for the most part, that's because they got home and their dog greeted them and it was fine. But, you know, again, kind of putting that front and center to be like, this is, this is the important thing and I'm really sorry this happened. And we're going to work hard to make sure it doesn't happen again. But everybody's fine. We'll replace whatever got hurt. Yeah. It's fine. It was usually the way way to kind of manage that. But it, I mean, we got like silly complaints. We got, you know, I mean, we got our serious complaints were pretty much always related to security of some kind. Like either the dog got out of the kennel, the doors were unlocked, or in some cases like we had a couple dog walkers who left the back door open to the yard which was obviously a huge problem but in you know the decade I was running that company that happened I think twice out of the thousands of walks that we did maybe tens of thousands of walks that we did you know overall our dog walkers really cared and you know did their best but people are human.
1: Can you tell us any silly ones? I was gonna say yeah that's some of the downsides are there any like Fun ones.
2: <laughs> yeah, one one of my favorite stories is fondly known as the cupcake story. And Lisa might have heard this one before, but it's it and it's not a very big story, but it's just it's it always brings a little bit of a smile to my face. It was my first employee. He wasn't the only employee at the time, but he would regularly walk a client that I had had for, you know, a few years and they were great clients. We always got along really well with them. They were often home, so we didn't, there wasn't the same kind of stress as there is sometimes when you're kind of in and out of people's house when they're not there. So I got a call from the mom, and normally I talked with the dad, like, just because he was the one that was usually home, so he was the one organizing us. And I thought that was a little strange, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) And, uh, And it's not like I had never talked to her before. And I, she said, I can't, I can't believe I'm I'm calling you with this and I'm really sorry. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And she like, that was how she kind of prefaced everything. And I was like, okay. And she said, Ryan was our dog walker. I think he was here today. And I, I'm pretty sure he ate my cupcake. (laughs) Oh no. And I was like, Oh no. She was like, I cannot believe I'm calling you for this. This is so stupid. But like, I've literally been looking forward to that cupcake all day (laughs) and it's gone.
1: Girl, I know the feeling.
2: (laughs) I know. And I was like, oh God, that's terrible. And she was like, I don't even know what I want you to do. Cause like, what I want is my cupcake (laughs) and you can't give me my (laughs) cupcake. Like, it was like a nice cupcake, you know, like it wasn't Mm -hmm. just like a grocery store special. It was like a nice cupcake. She was like, I just like, I don't even know if I want you to talk to him about it because like, I don't want to be the crazy person who's asking about cupcakes, (laughs) but also I'm just really bummed about the cupcake. And I, you know, I talked to her for a little bit. We all had a good laugh about it. And, you know, I told her that I would just send out like a generic kind of reminder to all the dog walkers that was like, Hey, just a reminder, the food in our client's house is not ours. Please don't eat it unless, (laughs) unless you've been told that you can. And the, the real kicker to this is that to this day, I don't know if he ate the cupcake because he, uh, and I, and I can't ask him because uh, like, I didn't talk to him about it then because I promised her I wouldn't. And um, unfortunately he passed away within a year after that. I think I don't remember the exact timeline. So some of the the positively pooches crew occasionally jokes that we need to get the Ouija board out to ask Ryan. let's oh, say, funny. Let's get a
0: Ouija board. Um,
2: <laughs> if he ate the cupcake, because if we can
0: ever find anyone to interview who does seances, maybe we can bring you back.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, because we need an answer to Cupcake Gate. So,
0: <laughs> one question I have, because I want some, I-, I want some funny stories, and I know you're going to be reluctant to tell me too many because you don't want to be like. You know, you don't want your clients to feel like you're telling all their dirt, but...
2: Well, some of it I don't remember, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me anything that you experienced where, like, the people asking you to do it thought it was, like, clearly a very normal thing to do and it was super
1: weird? (laughs) Oh, that's good.
2: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. Some of them are pretty boring, like, so I won't spend much time on them. But, you know, things like well, make sure you turn down the blind exactly to this level. And that, like, if you don't do that, I'm going to be upset about it. Or, you know, I, it's like kind of things like that, that, like, just, it would never even occur to me to think about that. And and it's, like, a real important part for of the service for some people. Uh, some of, I think, one of the probably best ones, and, uh, this might be what you were getting at Lisa. Is it the pajama story?
0: Um, is it the pajama
2: story? It is the pajama yes. story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had one of the clients that I found while I was walking a dog on the Groupon deal, you know, I literally kind of like walked into her with the dog that I was walking and she traveled a lot for work. And so she needed a dog walker to come and let her dogs out, uh, twice a day when she was out of town, they had a dog doors. So they didn't need like six visits or whatever. They just needed, you know, some some pets and some breakfast and a little walk around the neighborhood. And they were two little chihuahuas and they were very cute. And I got there one morning and it was cold or rainy. They were, you know, they were little guys. And uh, I was looking, they all, they pretty much always had a shirt on. Sometimes it was a sweatshirt. Sometimes it was a t-shirt, you know, but they were almost always dressed. And they were wearing their their pajamas but when I got there. <laughs> and I found the sweatshirt for one of them and I, I put it on, but then I couldn't find the other sweatshirt. And I knew that this was going to be a problem because it was daytime. It wasn't nighttime. So he had to have his sweatshirt on. He couldn't have his pajamas, but I couldn't find it. And I, you know, I, by this point I've looked for, you know, it's a 30 minute walk and I've looked for five or 10 minutes. So I called the client and I said, you know, I can't, I can't find the sweatshirt. Is it okay if I just take him in his pajamas? And she was like, no, of course it's not. Oh. And she told me where to find the sweatshirt so that he could go out in his, in his daytime clothes and Obviously,
0: not his his, his appropriate outdoor yeah. clothes, not his pajamas. Yeah. That would be
1: terrible. That, how embarrassing yes. to yes. be seen in your pajamas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think the wildest part of the story to me is actually that you knew that it would be a problem if you didn't call and ask.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> By that point I had been working with her enough. And you know, I mean it was it was fine. It just like it like people can request whatever they want. It's just, you know, as long as I can get it done and in the time allotted, I don't mind doing it. But I mean, within reason, obviously, yeah. but but yeah, he so he had to wear his cute little cute little hoodie, uh and he was very cute in his hoodie, but yeah, he had to be properly dressed for
1: the day that's amazing <laughs> I love it
2: yeah he was they were they were good little dogs i I love them they they moved away, but they were great, so
1: it sounds like definitely ups and downs to the business itself in terms of like i mean it's a dog walking business, so there's it's unique yes <laughs> <laughs> what about like just owning a business in and of itself did you find anything what were the positives for you of actually owning the business um or were there were there positives
2: no there's there's a lot it's just like it's I mean the easiest answer to that is that I got to make my own schedule yes my clients were making my schedule but I could say no I could you know Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to go to an office every day. Most, of the, most, especially in Denver, most of the time I was walking in beautiful weather with great mountain views and having a nice time. And when I started, there was no traffic. Like, you know, like it was great. So I think that like just not being constrained to a uh, kind of standard nine to five schedule. I mean, of course there's cons to that too, because it meant that I worked weekends sometimes yeah. a lot and, you know, evenings and stuff like that. But I did have a a lot of agency over my schedule in a way that I think, you know, people who are working, even people who own their business, but are, you know, if you have a brick and mortar and you're st- you're at the cash register all day long, like, i guess you kind of have agency because you could change your hours or you could close for the day or whatever but you know from a practical perspective you're you're there from 10 to 7 or whatever every day you're open yeah so that was something that was really nice and i get bored pretty easily (laughs) so it was nice to have something different to do every day like i mean the dog walks were always the dog walks but as the company grew so did I, to Mm -hmm. a certain extent, you know, I started as someone who was a dog walker who owned a, a business. But by the end, I was, you know, a fairly accomplished business owner. And, you know, I had quite a bit of experience that I could pass on to people who were thinking about starting a business and or who had started a business and had questions. I think that was also something that was really kind of fun and also pretty powerful to me to like have learned so much. Yeah. Just, you know, owning just I'm I'm making air quotes which no one can see cuz this is a podcast.
1: <laughs> I can hear them. I can hear the air quotes.
2: Yeah, owning just a dog walking business, you know, which I, which I got a lot in various places. But it kind of grew to be funny.
1: So. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I was promised networking stories. That sounded interesting. So
2: <laughs> Yeah. It, it's just one story. I mean, well, it's mostly one story, but there's a little background. So, and this is kind of what I mean when I say like just a dog walking business, I started networking quite a bit and most, you know, I did get some business from that. A lot of that was more how I learned how to be a business owner versus be um, a dog walker, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you can be both, but if you're, if you're a dog walker and you own a business, you gotta, you have to be both. So it was kind of how I grew through that. So that was part of why I did a lot of networking. I mean, we did get some business, like I said, but it wasn't our...
0: You did a thing that I thought was really interesting, and it was something I had never heard of before you talked about it, which was like the the leads group. I know that's not what it's called mm-hmm. everywhere, but can you talk a little bit about the structure of that? Because I think it was an interesting structure.
2: Yeah, that was a really great group that I loved. And, you know, I still, I mean, I, I left the group before I sold the business, but I still miss it sometimes. And, that group was run through the chamber of commerce it was called a leads group like you said l-e-a-d-s and the idea was that you would go there was only one person of every industry in there so you know like for example now like we couldn't have two realtors we could have a realtor and a mortgage broker We could have like a residential realtor and a commercial realtor but you couldn't have two residential realtors which really did make it worth it for a lot of people to keep coming because there are certain industries where you know if you've ever been networking you'll see them everywhere like insurance agents are there's a million of them there's there's a million realtors frankly (laughs) like you know like anytime you go to a networking event you could have a bingo card of certain industries that will definitely absolutely be there and so the leads group was a little unique because it was only one from each industry. And it we met weekly. So we met every week except for the fourth week of the month. And that meant that you really got to know the people in the group pretty well. It's it's not a totally, you know, unique setup. I think B and I groups have a fairly similar setup. Um there's some other ones that aren't that different. What I found so powerful about the leads group and, you know, I think some of this was the magic of the people in the group. Some of it was the group itself and the setup and some of it was luck is it was a group of people who just really wanted everyone in the group to succeed. And we held each other accountable, but a lot of groups like that tend to be, a little bit more pushy in my experience. They want you to mm. sell, sell, sell. They want you to, you know, every time you have to have a lead that you pass to someone, they're more expensive to maintain. You know, I mean, B and I groups I think are at minimum seven hundred dollars a year. And that was when I looked like five years ago. So I don't even know what they are now. Uh, um, it's just a lot. It's hard to get into you know, certainly if you're in sales and You know you need to do it and they can be effective but it doesn't really build the community in the same way that the leads group did and that was one of the things i really liked about that and i mean well in that leads group i met my accountant who was also a friend we were told when we joined the leads group to do one-on-ones which they always called like a coffee talk but My accountant and I went and had a couple of beers instead. So um, that kind of kicked off our friendship, which, you know, is still in place now. Um, And he's still the accountant for the company. And we started doing kind of silly networking together because, you know, he's an accountant, which is one of the industries that is there a lot. (laughs) So if he said he was an accountant, a lot of people would just glaze over because they don't like thinking about math.
0: Tell me about it. <laughs> Sorry, that's so. Yeah, bad. I you... teach basically math. I don't teach math, but I, I teach a lot of math.
2: <laughs> you you do know a little bit about that, like the just like glaze that falls over people's face when you <laughs> say something like that, like uh, accounting or I don't know algebra. Mm-hmm. And when I would go, I would say I own a dog walking company, and people would just kind of laugh and walk away. Not, I mean, nobody was like mean about mm-hmm. it. They just were like, Oh cool. Okay. I <laughs> would just go find someone who they thought was a bigger fish. Yeah.
0: Do you think they just thought like you didn't like, they just pictured it as like, you were just like walking dogs and like, they didn't think of it as a business. They just kind of thought of it as a thing you did almost like a hobby or like,
2: yeah, I think, I mean, I think a couple of things, I think they, I think people generally assumed that I didn't have employees I mean, I would say I own a dog walking company, not like I am a dog walker, but I think the assumption, especially because I, I mean, nobody can see me on the podcast, but, but I don't necessarily look like most people expect a business owner to look like. There are a million business owners that look like me, but I have, you know, multicolored hair and, you know, when I started networking, I was in my late twenties. So, um, so I think people just made assumptions that it was probably just a silly thing, you know, and like, maybe I was paying my bills, but I probably wasn't like doing anything nice or, you know, certainly not buying a house or anything, which isn't true. As it turns out, I did buy a house with my dog walking company income, but uh, which I guess was also, you know, much easier because of my family. But, um, I think it was just really easy to assume that it wasn't, anything beyond maybe me and a, and like one other person, you know, as much as any good sales training will tell you that the secret is asking questions. Most salespeople love to talk about themselves. (laughs) And they don't ask questions. (laughs) So, yeah, so when um, my accountant and I, his name is Phil, would go to networking events together, we would stand together and people would say, Oh, what do you do? And he would say, Oh, I'm a dog walker. I work for her. And he would point at me. Or he would just say, I work for her. And they'd be like, Okay. He was like, Yeah, I'm a dog walker for her company. They would be like, all right, weird. And I would usually say, he's kidding. He's my accountant, but I do own a dog walking company. And and most of the time that sur- struck up a good conversation, but also kind of put, it made him more interesting because he introed himself as a dog walker, but it also gave me a little bit of, uh, I don't know, professional standing that I had an accountant mm-hmm. that, you know, we were networking together, things like that. Well, and the other thing about that is that it was much more fun for us because it was really funny to watch people just, like, get really confused <laughs> and thinking can be kind of boring. So, <laughs> um, but my favorite story about that was we were, we were at a networking event once for the Chamber of Commerce and somebody who sold insurance to companies, you know, like health insurance to companies for their employees would, was making the rounds. And this was in like 2018, I think. So I had, you know, 15 employees and I had, I was already thinking about offering health insurance or at least some kind of program for them. We didn't need to because we were small enough that it wasn't required, but it was something that I would have liked to offer if it was, you know, something we could manage. But I hadn't really talked to anybody about it. And this guy comes in and he talks to me first and he says, you know, hey, I'm, whoever with insurance are us or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, what do you do? And I said, I said, Oh, I own a dog walking company. And he just like full on, like turned and cut me out of the conversation mm-hmm. to talk to Phil and said, what do you do? And Phil said, I'm i I'm an accountant. And he immediately starts selling Phil on insurance for his employees. And at the time, Phil has a lot more employees now, but at the time I think he had, maybe five. And to be fair, I didn't have a ton of full-time employees, but I had, you know, plenty. (laughs) And I watched, and I just waited because like, I, you know, I had been doing this long enough that it, it was more funny to me than upsetting. Like, as long as you don't think too hard about like the, you know, social ramifications of all of that. But I just watched and Phil was, he said something like, oh, well, did you talk to Lauren? She she has a dog walking company with like 15 employees. And she was just talking about getting insurance for them. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned to look at me with this like horrified face.
0: <laughs> I just, like, You didn't buy insurance from him, did you?
2: Oh, of course not. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't even talk to him. He was way too scared to talk to me at that point. He was like, so he was mortified. He just was like. Oh, yeah, we talked a little and he walked away. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, at least he had the good sense to just see himself out.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes. So my pro tip for networking, I know this isn't like a business advice podcast, but my pro tip for networking is find a friend who will gas you up a little bit because we all need that. That's
1: great. Okay, so we've talked about networking. We've talked about all of the different things, um, pitfalls and all of the things when you are, you know, you're making a company and like you're the guy. You're you're the one, you're the person. You're the the decision maker, you're all of it. So what's that like to have to be the person that's like that it's not one job. You don't just have one job. You have I'm assuming like 20 jobs really.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of have all the jobs because <laughs> you know, you do I mean, obviously I, as the company got bigger, I, I didn't do as much dog walking, but because I didn't do as much dog walking, if a dog walker called out or something, I was often the one to race out of my house to go walk the dog, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: So you're the fill-in. That's one job.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you're the fill-in. Yeah. You're the, you're the backup. You're the on-call person. You know, you have to, like, you're the boss. You have to manage your team you know, especially in a company the size of mine. I did have a manager. Like I said, she's she's the one who bought the company. Her name's Jordan. She's great. And she so she was managing a lot of things. But I had been the business owner the whole time. And some of the employees had been around for a while and they would still reach out to me or if they couldn't reach her for some reason, then they would reach out to me. I think one of the biggest challenges with that is Not only did you have to be the boss, but because it's, you know, it was a service-based business that was also kind of compassion, like rooted in compassion, because we were taking care of people's dogs and homes and things like that. Um, You often ended up, or I often ended up being a therapist Mm. for both my dog walkers and sometimes my clients. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. 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 I mean this is a little bit of an aside, but we saw our clients in some of the best and worst times of their lives, because we were in their homes. And a lot of times, if you need a dog walker, it's because something big is happening, right? So like, that could be you had a baby, which is really exciting. And, you know, I mean, a lot of times we would know that that people were pregnant before it was like on Facebook or whatever, because we'd walk in the house and see the The ultrasound pictures but none of it was public and you know presumably they had told her their family by then but but you know I was friends with clients on Facebook and and would see the reveal you know like a month or two after I had seen the pictures and be like oh yay everybody knows (laughs) and that was fun but but we also saw people at some of the worst times and you know I don't know if you want to leave this story in because it is a little upsetting and there's a a trigger warning of suicide or content warning of suicide. But I had a client who called me just like clearly in shock and he had just found out that his brother had committed suicide. And I think I was the first person he said it out loud to because he had clearly hung up the phone with his family and called to get care for the dog so that he could go home. And I mean nothing really prepares you for that especially for someone that you've never even met before. Mm. And I mean obviously I wasn't his therapist in that moment but like then he probably doesn't even remember that conversation honestly but I do <laughs> and um and it you know I mean we would get calls like that we would get calls like we're going to the hospital because we're having a baby you know we would we would see all the things that people didn't necessarily share with the world or they shared it, but they shared it after it happened. And we were kind of there in the thick of it because somebody had to let their dogs out and that was our job. And that was kind of a really unique thing about the dog walking company. I think that probably isn't true for most other business owners. Yeah. Well, I got, I got a little serious there, but. (laughs) I have
0: a kind of serious question, but it's a little lighter, I think. Yeah. Something something I actually really admire about you is that, like, obviously, at a certain point in your life, having this company be a successful company was kind of your dream. And you got to see that and realize it and achieve it. But, you know, you reached a point and you don't necessarily need to tell the whole story of what happened there. But like you reached a point where you realized that maybe that wasn't your dream anymore. Like it was a good dream when you had it and you were ready to move on to something else. And you did. And I I admire that because I think it's really hard sometimes to admit that the thing you wanted for a really long time isn't the thing you want anymore. And that's okay. And that's healthy. And we grow and we change. Right. So like, what kind of advice would you have for somebody who is starting to question if the thing that they've been building for a long time is actually the thing that they still want in their life if they're looking for a change, but they're not sure because they've worked really hard towards something? Like, do you have any advice for?
1: Yeah. Do you have any advice about that? I'm asking for a friend.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's like really an incredible question. Um yeah, I mean for me, you know, like I said in the beginning, we we had 20 employees and we were doing 400 walks a week before COVID. And when COVID came, we basically in a 5-day weekend went from 400 walks in a week to like 118. And you know, my dog walkers were asking if they were going to get Paid if they could eat, you know, and then all of that. And we were fortunate to get the PPP loans um, so that we could keep paying our employees. She actually used
0: it to pay her employees, unlike some people (laughs) in this country.
2: That's true. I did use it to pay my employees. uh, And I don't have any of that money left because it went to them. But, which, you know, I'm really glad that we were able to do. And I will say, like, it went to everybody who was on the payroll. And I was also on the payroll, but it, it, you know, no, I didn't buy a yacht with my PPP loan. (laughs) But so, you know, I was faced with having not only having to continue the business, but having to almost start over after I had spent 10 years building it to what it was. And yeah, that was rough. (laughs) Like the idea of like, I mean, it wasn't really starting from scratch, but it was not that far off. And for me, it really, I mean, this, I don't know. This is probably going to sound a little cliche, but for me, it was really like when I woke up every morning, I didn't want to do my job. Like I didn't, I mean, I, I didn't mind going to walk dogs and stuff. Cause like, I don't know who doesn't like walking dogs. I know there's plenty of people, but not me,
1: <laughs> but, um, please don't make me walk your dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's such
2: a good boy. Um, no, he's not. He's bad. But, uh, <laughs> but I think like it was just the idea of like going back to square one and like kind of building that again. It has to
1: feel exhausting. Was like, really hard. Yeah.
2: It. Yeah. It was really exhausting. And then the like the other piece of advice I guess would be that I. When I started thinking about doing something else, that was very exciting. And, you know, I was able to, I mean, I I was fortunate in a lot of ways that I could, I, re, I mean, I really thought about it for probably six months. And then I still didn't make the move for another six months after that. Yeah. So I, I, and I had already been kind of considering diversifying, let's say I had thought about doing like some public speaking, I had thought about doing some of that stuff. But none of that was really working for me. Like I it not not only was it not was I not successful with it, although with public speaking, considering to do it three months before the pandemic was like, not the best timing. Um, <laughs> but it also just like wasn't bringing me the kind of joy that I thought it would. So that didn't make sense either. Yeah. But when I thought about Moving, when I thought about living in a place with, frankly, a lot lower cost of living and a lot less pressure in general as far as, like, the speed of business and things like that, it was really appealing. And obviously, Lisa being here is pretty much the whole reason that I moved out here. Um uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically. I mean, I was ready to leave Colorado, but I never would have ended up in Florence, South Carolina without Lisa. And I'm oh. very fortunate that that, that happened. So. <laughs> I know. You're my lobster. But yeah, I think like really just how do you feel when you get up? What do you dream about before you go to sleep? I think are probably like your two biggest insights to to what you're thinking. And I think it ha you have to have like a little bit of a time frame like you can't you know you can't have a week where you wake up feeling crappy and you go to bed dreaming of like doing something like scuba diving for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life which is one of the things that I dreamt of um (laughs) (laughs) like like you can't do that for a week it has to be something especially if it's something that you've really committed to it has to be something that you really think about for a long time but I think You know, I mean, people say this to me when I ask, you know, I'm a single person and people say, if I ask like, well, how did you know that it was the right person? And they just say, you know, when you know, you know. And I I think that's true with this kind of thing, too. If, If you've spent the last six months dreaming about doing something other than what you're doing, then that's probably a pretty good indicator that maybe you need to make a change.
0: Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I like that. I think we all need to trust our gut and our intuition a Mm -hmm. little more.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Listen to yourself. She's smart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Is there anything you want to plug? Do you have any social media handles that you would want people to be able to find you at or anything like that?
2: Um, I'm really bad at social media. uh, (laughs) But... (laughs) Um, like so bad that I have to actually look up what my Instagram name is (laughs) (laughs) mostly because I changed it Um, but oh I guess it's just Lauren Piner so there you go I'm easy to find Uh, Lauren Piner SC is my Instagram and sometimes I post about real estate there but mostly it's pictures of dogs and you know you can there's a link tree on there so if you want to see any other stuff um, it's there I had A pretty robust blog for a while. I haven't written in it in uh, probably around a year. But it was, you know, kind of about starting a business and some of the things I learned and some of the things that I transitioned. So if people were interested in that story, there's a ton of information about it there. Um, And if you're buying a house in Florence, South Carolina, give me a call. (laughs)
1: Uh, Listeners, I can tell you, you should go to the Instagram because not only I'm peeping it now. Are they adorable dogs? <laughs> but your hair I love it. It's beautiful.
0: Her hair is so pretty that her stylist posts videos of her hair. Like, you know, like when you have that stylist and you see like them posting like the mm-hmm. best hair, her her hair almost always makes it to her stylist Instagram page.
1: I'm obsessed. I love it. That's
2: true. That's true. We well, that's a good you know what, that's a good tip because next Wednesday I have we're doing a whole new Ooh. thing. So there will be pictures of that, and um, I don't actually know what it is. It's, I think she said her inspiration was succulents.
1: Ooh, so I am excited! That's great. Yeah,
2: so keep an eye out for that on Wednesday or Thursday.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for being our guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to "You Can Do That" with Lee and Lisa. We're just going to keep interviewing people until we get the person who smells things for NASA to come on our show. Also, we're going to take a few weeks off, and then we'll be back for season two. We have a lot of interesting ideas for people already lined up, and I think it's going to be fun, so come along. If you like the show, you can help us out by leaving a review on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, or, you know, just pick one you can find us on instagram at you can do that pod on blue sky at ycdt pod or you can find a link to our web page on the show notes if you have any ideas for great guests that we could do Send us an email at ycdtpod at gmail.com. And thanks for listening.
0: Also, self-nominations are welcome. If you think you'd like to be a guest on our show and you have something to to talk about, give us a pitch, man. I don't know, we're doing this in season, so you know, we'll we'll fit people in as we can, but we're scheduling right now, so
1: tell us your good ideas. Yeah, if you have an interesting job or an interesting hobby, tell me about it. Pitch it to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks. Bye. Bye. I don't know if y'all heard the giant crash during that, but my cat just knocked my table over. I'm sorry.
2: Fun. I didn't hear it at all, so.
1: Oh, great. I have a really good microphone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I heard it, but that's okay.
0: I also didn't (laughs) scream in pain when my cat randomly bit my hand, so
1: I deserve a little bit of an award. Oh. Oh, well, good job. I applaud you.